Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence in this place. God, we thank you that we feel your spirit in this place. God, we thank you that you are with us. God, we stand in awe of your magnificent glory. God, we stand in awe of your majesty and who you are. God, we love you and we praise you and we glorify you. We lift your name for there is no other name like your name. God, we thank you that you visit us, that you change us, you heal us, you save us. God, we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Tell the Lord you love him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. You can be seated. Man, we love this church. Isn't God good? And we love Jesus at this church. Amen? Let me ask a question before we go on get into our sermon. How many people here love Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. How many people love this church? Raise your hand. All right. All right. There's a few of you didn't. Maybe we can get you convinced by the, the end of the service. That's all right. We like a challenge. You know, I told the first service this morning I was... Um, a little bit conflicted coming to the stage. And part of the reason that I was conflicted coming to the stage is because that I, I just, there's so much that, uh, that I have to say that, that, that I really want to communicate to this church that the Lord has been, uh, um, putting on me. And so, um, this morning I want to take just a moment and I, I, I don't want to preach a whole sermon on this, but there's a couple things that I do want to say to maybe, Sow some seed, if I can, uh, to maybe um, uh, stir your thinking a little bit to kind of get the juices going for the future. You know, the reality is, is God has a great plan for Praise Chapel. How many know that to be true? You know, the, 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 the funny thing is, I've, I've been in this church for a very long time. I came into this church when this church was only seven years old. And um, I came in in 1984, and so... There's literally, I was telling somebody today that I have blood, sweat, and tears in this church. And that is not an exaggeration or just a turn of phrase. There is blood. My blood is in this church. I, I have banged my hands and cut my hands and arms and, and I broke a rib here and, you know, just, I mean, on and on and on. I could tell you there's blood. I've sweat here both in service and in working. I, I, one time we didn't, the air conditioners weren't working. We sweat. And so it, uh, and then I've cried a lot here. Um, I've been at the altar and I've, uh, labored over this church and over you and over this body. I love you and I care about you deeply. Um, you mean something to me. And so I, I often pray, you know, asking God, what does our future look like? And, and I'm not so sure that I can see it clearly, but I know this, it's a great future. And I know that God has a great plan. And I know that there are several things that God is speaking to me about that plan. And one of them is that we absolutely, absolutely must continue to focus on Jesus and his word. Can you say amen? Amen. This church needs to be a Bible-believing, preaching-based church. Amen. Amen. In every way. We cannot 
afford to stray away from the Bible, period. Any cost. I mean, at any cost. We also need to be a church that is looking to raise up the next generation. We need to, as, as older people, I'm not the ancient of days, but I am getting older. And uh, I, I'm starting to feel a little bit more my age. Uh, I don't think my age. I'm still 20 in my brain, but my body reminds me that you're not 20 anymore. But still, somewhere along the line, what we need to do is look and, and understand that the next generation, should the Lord tarry, the next generation is what's going to carry this church on. And we need to be a people that embrace that. And so what does that mean? That means that you and I, as older uh, uh, Christians and mature Christians, we need to invest our lives into the next generation. Amen. We, we need to conduct services in such a way as that attract younger people. Can you say amen? amen? And then what we need to be is not offended by it, but embrace them and say, let me show you how to walk this thing out called Christianity. And I believe that's what God would have us to do. Can you say amen? amen. Now, this sermon that I'm going to minister to you today, <coughs> and you can... Um, Get in your Bibles if you want your whatever Bible you have, whether you have an iPad or whether you want to look on the screen. But we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But before we get there, I want to kind of put out a little bit of a disclaimer. This sermon is a foundational sermon. Now, there is a lot of things that we do in sermons. We can, when we preach, we can preach about issues. We can bring correction. We can bring healing. We can do a lot of things. But sometimes what you have to do is you have to set a foundation so that you can build upon it. And I believe today that this is one of those uh, sermons that is going to serve as a foundation so that we can begin to build what is necessary so that we can go into our future. Can you say amen to that? Now, over the last several weeks, now I know I wasn't here last week, but uh, Pastor Alex shared his report, and it was a wonderful report and all. But bef before that, I had finished uh, my sermon series on the Holy Spirit. We were talking about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we looked at the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that he is our comforter, he is our teacher, he is our guide, he is our intercessor. And we have found him to be a faithful, everlasting, true helper in every way. He is the original rescue swimmer. He is the one that when you get into a sea of confusion or a sea of, 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 of tragedy or problem or difficulty, uh, whether it's from your own doing or whether it's the doing of somebody else, he is the one that comes down on the rope and gets into your mess to rescue your life. That is Bible. Can you say amen? amen. And that's what we found out about the Holy Spirit. But as we came to the end of that series, I felt very inspired to take it a little bit further and talk about the gifts of the Spirit or to talk about spiritual gifts because there is no doubt that any conversation about the Holy Spirit is incomplete without talking about the gifts of the Spirit and giving everyone a chance to understand it who will receive it. Can you say amen? So with that thought in mind, I want you to look on the screens, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Now concerning... 
Spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that we, uh, you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, it's kind of ironic this morning that even though my doctrinal background is thoroughly Pentecostal, it's ironic how little I was really taught over the years about the gifts of the Spirit, except for the gift of speaking in tongues, which is the most visible and most vocal of the gifts, I can't really remember hearing very many sermons on this subject. Most of the time when people talked about the gifts in sermons, it was portrayed in a negative manner, talking about some abuse or some imbalance, um, which really all it did was successfully spooked most believers from ever wanting to receive any of the gifts. Now, let me tell you something. The truth is, let me just be real honest with you. Because one of the things that I want to present to you is I want to present to you a very balanced gospel. Okay, my goal is not to live in the extremes or the fringe. My goal is to take the word of God as it is written and walk it out as it is written, looking at the truth of what's said. Now, the truth is there are churches that exist today that have eliminated everything in their Christian walk except what they get from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> they spend all their time ministering to each other. And in the end, they miss God's purpose. And the result is, from people looking into that kind of thing, the result is of a, there is a very negative view of spiritual gifts and most people think of them as toys rather than tools. And we've got to overcome that. Because the gifts of the Spirit are not toys. They really are tools that are given to you and I so that we can do what God has called us to do. And when you take a closer look at what the Bible teaches about spiritual gifts, you're going to find this is a very important issue for building a church. There's nothing that's incidental or unimportant about this subject, and we should not gloss over it. We should pay attention to it. See, we need today a clear understanding of the biblical basis. Not my opinion, not some guy down the road, but the biblical basis for expecting the Holy Spirit to use us with supernatural gifts. 
the New Testament church, and quite frankly, this church was and is about every member ministering in and through the gifts given to them by the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. See, ministry is not what I do. Do you know, biblically, I do not minister. What? No, I equip. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. When Jesus ascended out of the depths of the earth into heaven, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. My job as a pastor is to equip you for the work of the ministry. See, the problem is the church, by and large, has relegated their hired holy man to be the minister. Now, I know that part of my Christian walk is I also minister, but my position as a pastor is to equip you to minister. And every one of us need to take our place in the ministry. See, you're here on purpose. Do you know that? And you're here for a purpose. You were designed on purpose. Amen. God's not up in heaven going, dang it. They went to the wrong church. No, God put you here. Well, I don't feel it. Well, you know, let me, you know, can I vent a little bit just for a second? Have you ever heard somebody say something like this? Yeah, we left that church because we weren't getting fed. Okay. All right. Time out right there. How about, let's just change it. Yeah, I don't go to Denny's no more because they don't feed me there. Think about it. It'll take a minute. I know we got sound deadening, so it doesn't bounce as much anymore. The reason that you didn't eat at Denny's is because you chose not to eat. The reason that you didn't eat in the church God placed you is because you chose not to eat. <laughs> That's another sermon. We'll leave that alone for a little bit. See, we are called to take our place in the church as a ministering member of the church. To the world, it looks supernatural, but to the church, there is nothing more natural. Think about that. We are always praying, God, come, God, come. But when he comes, we get freaked out. He came. Run. Jesus is here. He came with his spirit. It's almost like Jesus rides in with a motorcycle gang. And it's like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. Don't, don't, look, don't look him in the eye. Don't look him in the eye. What's up with that? Come on, church. That's who we are. We, we, are, we are people that's been saved by a supernatural God. We read a supernatural book. We're called to a supernatural life. We have a supernatural father. Everything about us 
is supernatural. And the supernatural ought to be our natural. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So let's dig into this a little deeper. In our text in chapter 12, it opens by saying this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Literally what Paul is saying, he's saying concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be misinformed. I don't want you to be misled. I don't want you to be misunderstanding. Nor do I want you to ignore the gifts through reluctance or through hesitation. Now there is no doubt in the Corinthian church, these gifts were out of control. And there was severe abuse. We know that. We know Paul, much of his writing was to bring correction. But Paul understood that the antidote to abuse was the instruction of proper use. Can you say amen to that? He goes on to say, You know that when you were Gentiles, meaning when you were not saved, when you didn't know God, you were carried away by these dumb idols. This was not a reference to the value of these idols, meaning, you know, you stupid idol. But rather, this was talking about their futility. Because these idols couldn't speak, they couldn't interact, they had no power, and they were man-made. He says, but now you're not that. He says, you are filled and empowered with by the Holy Spirit who is alive and speaking and active and powerful beyond our human comprehension. And he says, now you need instruction about how to live in the Holy Spirit. This is really an important thing. There's an important, important point to be made here. See, the Corinthian church misunderstood the manner in which the Holy Spirit works through individuals. And therefore, what happened is they abused the gifts that were given to them. They operated in them much like they had operated in their pagan worship when they were unsaved because they were accustomed to that. They misunderstood the power of the Holy Spirit, and they viewed it as compulsive. In other words, they viewed the power of the Holy Spirit as something that you could not resist, and it negated your will, which gave them way to hysterical, frenzied style of pagan worship. In other words, they were all always out of control. But I can tell you this is nothing is like that in the Bible. Paul had to teach them that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he's not like that. And you are fully in control. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, it says in the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophet. That means, you know what? It's under your control. When God puts a word in you, when he puts something inside of you, you have the choice whether to acknowledge it and to use it, to demonstrate it, or to hold it back. He is not going to violate who you are, your personality. He's not going to embarrass you, but he does want to use you. Can you say amen? Now, they also did not understand the diversity of the gifts and the need for a variety of multiple manifestations of the Spirit. See, the Corinthians, they were infatuated with the verbal 
gift, leaving little room for anything else. And all of chapter 12 really is about the diversity. That's, that's what Paul came to do in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, was to reveal to them the diversity. They didn't understand the need for that diversity. Then he goes on in chapter 13, and he actually declares the atmosphere in which these gifts operate. And it was love, the, the gifts of God. They operate in love. If you, if you move in these gifts outside of love, you're nothing more than a bunch of noise. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, they didn't understand the need for love and unselfish motives in these manifestations. They were operating out of control, without any order, without any love, and it was futile. People were getting excited, but nothing else. There was no growth or true edification. And in some cases, even today, the abuses still exist. But that is no reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How blessed... Are we to have the apostolic record and inspiration to help us avoid the ignorance, the abuse of spiritual gifts? So let us follow the Apostle Paul's instructions when he says, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, don't be ignorant. Are you hearing that? Make no mistake about it. These gifts are far more vital to you and I becoming all that God intended us to be than we can ever imagine. Listen to me. See, he tells us that spiritual gifts are supposed to be sought after. Do you know that? In 1 Corinthians 12, 31, it says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. That word earnestly desire literally means covet. That's how strong God wants this to get across to us. He says, when you see spiritual gifts in action, when they're truly in action in the biblical sense, he said, you should covet that. You should want that for you. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, it says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. As with anything important in life, the devil always has of way of making the muddy waters appear. He wants to muddy the waters with abuse and with immaturity involving the gifts. The devil knows human nature, that we will invariably overreact, and we divorce ourselves from anything that smacks of out of the ordinary. Think about that for a moment. Out of the ordinary. Listen, I, I've been in church a long time. You need to understand something. I, I got saved when I was seven years old. So I've been, I've been in church 46 years. 46 years in church. And I'm not talking about in church, meaning I went to church and then a month off and I went to church and then six months off. I'm talking about my family went to church every time the doors were open. We were committed to church. We went to church. And I can tell you something, church. I'm tired of going to church. I've been to church. Done that. Been there. I don't want to do it no more. So what are you saying, pastor? I know it sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? 
What are you saying? Stop going to church? No. Let's just stop showing up. Let's start encountering God. I'm tired of the ordinary. Can you say amen? I want to see something extraordinary. I want to see our services touch heaven and heaven touch us. I want God to be very present. Uh, I want his spirit moving. I want the out of the ordinary. I was thinking about this. There was a, there was a time in the New Testament where Jesus is preaching at a house church and the crowd gathered and there was a lot of people there. Well, there was four guys that had a friend and his friend was paralyzed and they were so desperate to get that friend to Jesus that they climbed up on the roof where Jesus was preaching and tore off the roof and lowered him down in front of Jesus. I'm not sure how we would react today if the roof got torn off and people started getting lowered down because they wanted to be touched by the presence of God. We got to Get out of the ordinary, church. Now, I'm not talking about having a frenzy. I'm not talking about being out of control. I'm talking about getting out of just phoning it in. I'm tired of just showing up. Quite honestly, I could stay saved without showing it up. I'll read my Bible all by myself. I will pray. I don't need nobody poking me. I don't need a good sermon elbowing me. I'll stay saved. I love Jesus. But if we're going to come to church and we're going to see the hand of God move and lives changed and the Holy Spirit touching. Look, at we live in a town that's desperate. I can't speak for the rest of the world, but I can speak for Kingman. And I can tell you this. There is a, a real drug problem here. Alcoholism, drug addiction. There are teenagers that are committing suicide. We live in a, in a city that has enormous amounts of veterans that are living without hope because they've been tormented for calendar years. We have an answer, church, and we need to get out of the ordinary. We need not to be the light of the church. We need to be the light of the world. And that's not going to happen with a good idea and just going and doing it. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, he goes, I got a big plan for you, but you need to wait for power. You need to wait until you're endued with power because you're not going to get this job done without my power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It ought not to be ordinary. See, when God moves... Supernaturally, that's to say when God moves beyond our human ability, it's out of the ordinary. And it's not something to fear. It's not something to ignore. It's something to embrace because it is who we are. Listen, in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, it says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Here we go. Yeah, waiting for the bucket of snakes to come up. I just know it, preacher. Oh my gosh, that's such a distortion of that scripture. It's stupid. Come on. How many believers? You gotta, if you're a believer, raise your hand. The signs. Look, here's the signs that should follow you. Me. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. What can that possibly mean? It means this, church. Look at 
It means that that old devil, the snake, when he bites you, it ain't going to have any effect. It's not talking about going and getting a rattlesnake, handling it. Looky there, I got a snake. Look at my faith. That's just, that's, God's going, oh, Jesus. If they drink any deadly thing, what will happen? Look, there's enough poison being pumped out into this generation. You need, you need an immunity to it, and that's what he's saying. See, when you're, a, when you're a believer, you'll cast out demons, not demons cast you out. There's too many church people that are getting cast out by the devil. Come on now. We need to speak with new tongues. So what do you mean? We need to have a heavenly language church. We need to revel in that. Oh, church, this is who we are. It's time to let the Holy Spirit out of the closet. Amen. And allow him to empower us with his gifts. Are you hearing me? This is Bible, church. I'm, I'm not taking any of this out of context. Look at our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4. For verse, chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. He says this, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, God has given each believer a combination of opportunities and gifts that's perfectly designed for you. Do you understand that? Every Christian is really a minister with a unique contribution to make in the body of Christ. Jesus used the illustration in this chapter of a body. He talks about the eye, the nose, the the hearing, the sight. He he says, look, if the eye says, I want to be the nose, where would the smelling be? Well, you're nothing like me. I can't believe all you do is just sit there and smell. And the nose would say, well, I can't believe all you do is just look around the place. I'm telling you, you're missing it. There's some really good smells out there. Some bad ones too. But you know what? See, the problem, church, is what we do is we, 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 we look at other people and either we do one of two things. If they're not like us, we try to make them like us. Or we're so insecure that we want to be like them. And God says, no, I made you the way you are. And you know what? I've gifted you and I've empowered you so that you could make a difference in the world in which you live. Embrace who you are. There are some people that are very evangelistic. There are some people that love worship. So the worshipers, they're just standing in the presence of God, swaying back and forth, and the evangelistic people go, why are you so lazy? Get out of the worship. Come on, there's people dying. And people over here, the evangelistic people, they're going, man, we just got to hit the streets, dude. We, you know, can that worship stuff. Get, we'll do that later. Let's go. You, you, you're lazy. And the worship people are just saying, all we need to do is just be in the presence of God. Both are right. And both are needed. That's why there's a variety. And every Christian ministers with a unique combination 
of gifting to make a unique contribution to the body of Christ. And the central thrust of your ministry depends on the spiritual gifts that exist in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, the most basic understanding of the New Testament is that salvation brings man back into union and fellowship with God through Jesus. And then this leads us to being equipped with various gifts and abilities for the service of the kingdom. Ephesians chapter 2 verse said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So many times, church, we just get stuck in just going to church. I have people come up to me all the time and they say, man, you know, love your church. And I look at you've been going here 20 years. It's love our church, right? Do you know you were put here on purpose? And it was prepared for you beforehand that you should walk in it? And when the Holy Spirit descended on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, do you know what happened that day? The New Testament church was birthed. And that church began to grow. It was an organism that was alive and breathing. And it moved. It was described as a family, a temple. But most often it's described as a body. And in that body are members that are gifted to build that church. Are you hearing me? See, Paul's metaphor for the church could not be more appropriate because we all have that function, that special, that special function to perform. We all have an anointing. We all have a calling. We are all ordained. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit, in other words, the gift in you, is given to you for the profit of all. What does that mean? That means you have what I need, and I have what you need. And it's all wrapped up in the context of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Church, it's about stewardship. It's about caring for something that is not your own. It wasn't given to you to be your own. It was given to you so that you would employ it, use it for the work of the ministry in the church. That's what the gifts of of the Holy Spirit are about. See, there's significant growth. And maturity when believers discover and actively use their spiritual gifts. See, no organ can function independently without others. You know, you could look at me and you could say, what's, what's the most important thing? Think about it. What's more important, the brain or the heart? Or the liver or the lungs? Let me tell you something. Take the lungs out. 
I don't care how I don't care what your IQ is. You could be have a 10,000 point IQ without the lungs. Don't matter. Do you know what the biggest organ on your body is? Your skin. Take away your skin and see how you function. <laughs> Even some of you Let's say it's wrinkled and bumpy skin. It's got some flaws in it. A few scars, scrapes, a couple bruises. Still pretty important. Think about it. I know, it's a little weird. But this is how I think. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud. God's the one who made the example, not me. I'm just thinking, you know, the organ, here's skin. It's been beat up, it's weathered, it's been sunburned. Kathy and I, when we first got married, we had been married probably, well, May, June, July, three months. We went out to the lake on July 4th, 120 degrees, no suntan lotion, no nothing. We stayed there all day. We came back, we were red as lobsters, and I'm telling you, man, it was bad. It was bad, but we, we just, we, we had a swamp cooler, and we pointed that thing right at us, and, and we just laid there with n- nothing on the bed, just laid there. Don't touch me. Don't move. But even though that skin was beat up and red, and it was going to peel, and it was going to look ugly, it was very necessary. So I don't care what you look like today. I don't care if you're crazier than a pet raccoon. We need you. Are you hearing me? I know. Second service always gets a little added thrill. I'm usually, second service, I'm usually feeling my oats, and I was talking to my friend in the office, and he was, he's kind of like my, 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 my friend Craig. He's, he comes in, and he just pumps me up. He gets me stirred. He goes, you get up there. You do it, boy. You give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. I get so wound up, and then all these crazy things come out. It's Craig's fault. It's his, he's sitting in back. It's, it's his fault. He gets me stirred up. You're the man. That's right. Ah. It's crazy. I know. I know. I'm, I'm so far off the notes now. Here's the point, church. This is the point that I'm trying to make to you. Look at This is so absolutely necessary in the church, and it's what's probably missing in most. God help us if we live a powerless gospel. I'm confronted with people every day of my life that are in hopeless situations. And there's times where I just sit there and I shake my head and I go, God, I don't know what to do. But I'm reminded of the story of the demoniac where Jesus showed up and here was a man that the only thing the world could do was tie him to a tree. And he broke those chains and he ended up running amok in the cemetery. He lived in the place of death. He would cut himself and he was possessed. So many issues, they called him legion. 
Jesus shows up. All Jesus does is show up. This man comes running, and one moment with Jesus, this mind is, this man is, is seated and clothed and in his right mind. Why? Because Jesus had what he needed. We are the ambassadors of Christ. All of the kingdom has been invested in us. We need to exercise it. Can you say amen? amen? I was thinking about Romans chapter 12. It'll go on the screen, verses 3 through 8. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to point out a couple things. It says, for we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. What is he saying? He's saying there are many members, many functions, one body, many gifts according to the grace, according to the ability that's been given to you. He says, so use them. That's Bible, church. That's Bible. Listen to me today. God wants to do something powerful in this place. I've been praying. I've been praying. I'll just be real honest with you. I've been praying about this. It's easy to get caught up in the politics of church and churches. It's easy to see people come and go and think that it's about you. Amen. To be hurt and wounded. To wonder what was lacking. And I was sitting down and I was praying about this and God just dropped this thought in my spirit and it has captivated me. And he said, you know, he reminded me of Elijah when Elijah was working in, in Israel and he'd had this, just this enormous miracle. Fire came out of heaven and, but then Jezebel raised up and said, you know what, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. And Elijah took off and he's hiding under a tree and he's just saying, God, kill me now. There's nobody. I'm done. There's nothing. And oftentimes it's easy to feel like that. See, it's easy to feel like, you know what, God's doing nothing. Just kill me. Take me out. And God spoke to Elijah and he says, get up, Elijah. He says, I have 7,000 people back there that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking about all the politics of churches and this and that. And sometimes what happens is we get so caught up in the floating membership. Do you know what the floating membership is? That's that membership that travels from church to church to church. We get caught up in that and we forget that there's a world. See, there's about in this area, Golden Valley and Butler and all the way to Valley Vista, there's about 65,000 people. There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. And what we need is be a church that's reaching out to them, fully equipped, fully empowered, to meet the need in their life. The Bible declares to us that not only is the Spirit given us gifts, but the Father gives us gifts, and the Son gives us gifts. And there is a blessing in that, in that they've been poured out upon us. And what they do is they enable us to be more than we could ever imagine, to accomplish more than we could ever do on our own. See, that's the point of the gifts. The gifts were not meant to make people afraid or to 
bring them in hysterics. Now, there are times when God will come upon you and, and it'll be outrageous. It'll be an out of the ordinary experience. But church, it's not meant to derail you. It's meant to empower you, to encourage you, to, to step up. See, it's one thing when my friend Craig does that to me. It's a whole nother thing when the Spirit of God begins to look at me and say, you're the man. You the man. I put that in you. Now go release it. When he begins to do that, something rises from my innermost being. The Bible calls it a river of living water. And it rises up out of me and it flows out. And everywhere that water flows, it brings life and health and healing. It brings deliverance. It's called the Spirit of God. He said, you are so significant to this cause that I am going to sow myself. I am going to invest myself into you with my divine abilities so that you can release them. And he says, I need you to desire them. God calls me. Jesus enables me and the Holy Spirit empowers me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, God, he wants the gifts that are so evident in the word. It's clear. I know there's a lot of controversy about it. But we don't have to respond to the controversy. We need to see the Bible. We need to look at it and say, what is it saying? So that we could be what God called us to be. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we just love you so much. We love you, God. And we thank you, God, for your goodness in our lives. We thank you that you've encouraged us. We thank you that you've empowered us. Father, we pray that you would birth a hunger, a passion in our lives, God, for your divine enablements, your gifting, your empowerment. Father, that we would not be misled by misunderstanding or misinformation, but Father, that we would be held by the truth. Father, that we would walk in that balance. Jesus, we, we look to you to help us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you give us wisdom and empowerment. Father, help us to be open-minded and hungry. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want you to look up at me for just a moment and I'll release you. In the next few weeks, what I'm going to do is there's over 37 different gifts listed in the Bible. Or it's actually 37. Some come from the Father, some come from the Son. But there are nine of them that come from the Holy Spirit. It's my intention that at least at this moment, it could change. <laughs> but God has a way of doing that. But it's my intention that in the next several weeks that we're going to look at those nine gifts, see how they function in the church, how they function in you. Because I believe that when we get a hold of that, it's going to revolutionize not only your life, but it'll revolutionize your world when you see the power of the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you to come and be a part next week and come back, bring somebody. Remember, evangelism, evangelism. Bring a friend, bring a relative, bring your neighbor, 
somebody that needs Jesus, is that how you could be talking about the Holy Spirit? God has a way of taking those words and penetrating and causing them to do what they're supposed to do. The Bible says this, that his word does not come back void. He said that. He goes, it does not, period. It, it accomplishes what it was sent to do every time. Every time. His word is not void. It's powerful. So I want to encourage you, come and, and get this inside you. Get this, allow this, be open-minded. Allow this to touch your life. We're going to let you go. Our prayer team is coming. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to release you today. We want you to have a great Sunday afternoon. I love you. I love this church. I pray for you, and I believe in you, and I'm proud of you. I love you. God bless you. You guys have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.